The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. We are mobile podcast today, boys and girls. We are doing this from the truck. Uh, we are in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming at the moment. And uh, we're going to take a behind-the-scenes picture of how we actually film this because it's actually rather uh, amazing how we set this up. But uh, I got Ryer with me. Um, I've been in the, on the South Dakota-Montana border for the last nine days. Ryer was in Wyoming for a week before that, and he met, met up with me. And now we are headed across Wyoming to Idaho Falls to do a shoot with our buddies at Rolly White RV. No idea what the number of this podcast is. I'm not even going to look it up because I'm driving, and I'm not supposed to look at my phone when I'm driving. So I'm going to be legal legal, even though I've been pulled over twice in the last two weeks. Um, I actually got pulled over earlier today. It was fun times. Got a warning, though, so that was nice. Um, but we just wanted to jump on do a podcast uh, on the road because, honestly, to be completely honest, we have nothing else to do. We've got an eight-hour drive. Bored. Yeah, we're very bored looking out the windows at lots of antelope and deer and lots of people with toy haulers that I keep having to pass on the road because they don't drive fast enough. So, um, but other than that, it's been fun. What have you? Uh, what, what have you been up to? Well, I was in Wyoming. Yep. Sat in uh, sat in some tree stands with uh, Red Arrow, with Kip Red Campbell, Arrow, Kip Campbell, and uh, hunt didn't really go quite to plan. Which they never really do. Yeah, let's be uh, honest. But the deer weren't acting right, and so we didn't end up uh, we didn't end up flinging an arrow through one on that trip. So we're coming back with a vengeance in Virginia. I think is the next. Well, I think he's going to Maryland first, um, and then I'll be with him in Virginia. Your little piece thing's pulled off. No, your muffer. There you go. There we oh. go. Yeah. I didn't even notice yeah, that. I just didn't want you to look funny. Oh, wow. Um, it's too late for yeah, that. Yeah, no doubt. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're... <laughs> you, said, you said no doubt before I was even done. <laughs> I know. You didn't even wait for me to finish. You knew I, exactly... I knew what you were going to say. It's either you knew what I was going to say or you just... I knew what you were going to say. You just interrupted me. Yeah. Come Uh-oh. on, dude. Get hey. in the road. Oh. Get in the road. There you go. But, uh, yeah, so we, Ryan and I, were only probably two hours apart and then i guess we were probably only three or four hours from where clay was so we were kind of all right there in a cluster clay was in kind of south central south dakota on a whitetail hunt with brian stevens from spy point uh, i was out there with dudley uh in south dakota montana and then ryer was um with kip and wyoming because we were all kind of in that little general area i guess it's a hot spot for um good killing weather or good killing you know conditions but it was only good for me and Dudley. Uh, we slung several arrows and stuff, and because uh, Clay and Clay and Brian didn't have a great trip either. Uh, Brian was in in camp with Dusty Altman, who's one of the guys that works with Spy Point in the marketing department, and uh, 
he killed an awesome deer, and Clay took some really, really cool pics of him. And um, it, it was uh, it was a great week for Dudley and I. But uh, we were doing antelope, too. And, you know, and the great thing about Dudley is, you know, dude's a killer. Like, don't walk in front of Dudley if you're an animal that needs or wants to be shot. Because it's not going to end well for you. And it didn't end well for several animals this week and uh, took lots of really cool pictures. But I think the coolest animal of the whole week wasn't Dudley's. Yeah, no, it was not Dudley's. It was a uh, guy named Josh went and arrowed a massive bull elk. Massive. Just, I mean, he was a toad. Yeah, he was in the same same camp as us, hunting kind of the same area. And uh, he killed... An absolute giant. I don't even. I still don't think it's even registered to him what he did. And to be fair, like the elk, he didn't have the biggest frame. Like he probably had a three twenty, three thirty bull type frame, which is a great bull. Don't get me wrong. But the mass and the character on this bull is unlike. Which I'm not seeing a ton of elk. I'm just be honest. I've seen you know several on the ground. Yeah. This one. Hands down takes the cake as the coolest one I've ever seen. And probably even in pictures, it's the coolest one I've ever seen. Uh, he had amazing royals, good whale tails. The mass on his bases was absolutely enormous. Like It t- took two hands on me, and I've got pretty big hands to get around the base of his antlers. And uh, came into water. They were just sitting in a water hole. Came into water with a bunch of cows. Smoked him. He ran off in the body size. Because these things are just eating alfalfa and these bottom fields and going back into these mountains, man. And he was at the right place, right time, made a great shot. And I think the coolest part of it is is that Guy is a really big uh, really big fan of Dudley's. You know, he's always followed him and uh, get to actually, you know, get to kind of hunt, not with Dudley, but kind of side by side and be there, you know, when he killed that elk and get to take some pictures with him. And he had the new NTN. He had the knock-on hat. He had all the stuff like it his was whole, his whole kit was it was on just it about. was super cool for him but i think it was just as cool for dud because like dudley talked about that three or four times about how cool he thought that was and how honored he was to be a part of that experience and uh then you know dudley posted it. i think i don't know if dud posted on his page but psc posted it on their they both page posted, yeah yeah and it was just super cool for both of them and for us to get to take pictures of it, which I didn't take any pictures. You took them. Mm-hmm. But um, you took pictures. The kid got a little more than he was bargaining for, didn't he? When he asked – well, he didn't ask us to take pictures. We demanded him to make us let us take pictures the next day. Because yeah. he killed a bull in the evening, and they were going to go ahead and cut it up that night. And we're yeah. pleaded with him. We're like, please put this thing on ice overnight and let us take good pictures. Because all they had was some iPhone pics. And right. this bull was way too special to just have iPhone pictures of him. Yeah, so – and it was going to be really cold that night. Um, and it was supposed freaking to be snowed really, the next day. Yeah, it was supposed to be really cold the next day, so really there wasn't any issues with that. Um, and and we kind of convinced him, like, hey, look, we, you know, we do this for a living, and we can take some freaking sweet pictures, and that's an awesome bowl. And you're gonna want to have some really cool pictures <laughs> of that bowl. Trust me, you're yeah. gonna want these pictures. I think Caleb said something about we'll make it look real nice for you. Yeah. And he was like, okay. And I think what he thought that he was getting into was maybe 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> maybe 15 minutes. If I would have taken the pictures, it probably would have been 15 minutes. If I would have taken the pictures, it would have been 15 minutes. <laughs> First of all, 
That's true. <laughs> Second of all, that's just not how I work. Well, at least you know that. That's not how I work. Um, so the next day, we we had to get it uh, over to kind of a scenic spot. It took us a tractor to get a tractor it, and a truck. A tractor and a truck to get it into place uh, over this ridge that really looked. What well, they were lucky. The, the luckiest part of the whole thing was yeah. he killed a bull in a spot where they could drive the truck and get him in the bed of the truck hole. Yeah. That, that very rarely happens with elk. Right. And um, thank God that they did. Uh, you know, this water hole was on this rancher's property, and they had a truck there, and they had enough people to be able to load it. I mean, that in itself is a miracle. Like, it was meant to be that we were there. Yep. We killed the elk in the right spot. It was really, really cool. Yep, so we got this uh, We got this bowl set up, and uh, it started raining. It was really cold. And uh, we just went out and took pictures, and I don't know how long I was out there, but I over do an know, hour, over an hour. Uh, but I do know that I. They took asked me to come check on you. That's how long you were out there for. <laughs> Did you tell him that he's fine? I said Ryer will come in when Ryer is done, <laughs> and it will only be begrudgingly. Yeah, because he literally can't think yeah. of any other yeah. pictures at that yeah. moment. Um, I took seven hundred and ninety raw photos. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> just a few. And uh, that gave us 60 final images. So less than 10%. Less than 10%. So if you're out there and you want to get into photography and you want to know the secret to photography, the number one tip I can give you, take lots of pictures. Because literally we took an, we took 700 and what did you say, 90 pictures? 790 pictures. For In the grand scheme of things, three or four good ones. You know, you know, we we got fifty something out of it that are good pictures, but in the end, three of those pictures will really be the ones that get looked at and the ones that are savored and treasured forever. Mm-hmm. The other ones are kind of more, honestly, for us for detail and creativity and all that yeah. good stuff. So, in, in in the end, you know, if it takes a hundred pictures to get one good one, that's what you do. Um, a lot of that has to do with light. And this in this scenario, it wasn't really much about light because the light was nice and flat because it was raining the whole time. The light was really flat. Um, I would say that even though it was 790 photos, it wasn't necessarily 790 unique photos. No, um, because and I learned this from this podcast before I was uh, a co-host of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> throwing it back to my roots. Oh man. Um, is I remember you had Chris Irwin on. Oh, yeah. Shout out to my boy Chris. Oh, man, I need to have Irwin on again. And uh, you, you were talking about how you watch him work and how he, he works the camera um, taking pictures, and especially of something like, a, like an elk where just the slightest movement of the camera could reveal or hide oh, it can a, change a part everything. of the antlers or yeah. part of the person or anything. So a lot of those is you get a general composition – and then you just fire the shutter for 10 shots in a burst mode, you know, and you just move the camera left to right or up to down or rotate a little bit. And that way you can scroll through those and go, okay, yeah, one of them's got all the points or this is the angle or, or whatnot. So um, well, there was a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of times on an animal, and this is something that Dudley really focuses on too. And, I, I mean, I guess I don't focus on it as much as he does, but he likes to find an animal, not to cut you off, sorry, he likes to find something on an animal that's like the animal's best feature. Like on an antelope, you know, a lot of antelope look a lot, a lot of them look very, very similar. 
but they all have a unique characteristic. Like some of them might be a little wider, some of them might be taller, some of them might be have more mass, some of them might have better curls, deeper forks, and you find out what the care or, or huge body, whatever the case may be. So, and sorry, the camera's vibrating because we're on a terrible road in Wyoming, but um, your taxpayer dollars yeah, at work. Yeah. So. He likes to take that, whatever that feature is, and really focus your pictures around that one feature. Like we killed a mule deer who had a really cool random point in his antlers. Like it was not a very big point, but it was just unique. And that was, you know, that that deer's character was kind of built around this unique point that he had. So that's where most of the pictures and images were focused around. So uh, anyway, didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, and for me... um you know, I, I I have not had the opportunity to take a lot of um, trophy pictures or um, elk pictures in general uh, just because of, you know, you only get a couple of elk trips a year. I've only really been doing this for five years. And out of those five years, I think I've seen a total of two, maybe three bulls on the ground, um, which is I, more than I think – a lot Most, of people yeah. would have gotten the opportunity to in five years of going on elk trips, so I'm super grateful for that. But you have somebody like Dudley who has seen an immense number of elk and, and taken pictures of elk, and so he actually came out there and um, kind of kind of showed me the angle and showed me a little bit of kind of like what his eye was seeing and how he would take the picture, which um, I think is kind of a lesson for people to sometimes – it's okay to know that you don't maybe know the best way to do something. And if there's somebody there who does to just let them help you, let them show you. I mean, I literally gave him the camera and said, here, show the me. settings are right. Show me what you're looking for. Yeah. And it does two things. It gets Dudley exactly the picture that he wants in his head. Um, and I get to see that and I go, Oh, okay, this is what he's going for. And in the yeah. future now I, now I have that frame of reference of, hey, this might be how you approach this kind of animal where I really didn't have a lot of experience doing it before. So sometimes you just kind of have to swallow your, your I don't know, pride, I guess, and, well, see, and be okay with allowing somebody to take over for a little bit think, in the sake of learning. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. You know, I have a creative way of looking at things. You have a creative way of looking at things. Then a lot of times the client has, a you know, maybe a contrary creative view. And it's, and, and but you has a, you as a creative or as a, you know, uh, a contractor or, you know, you're being paid to be there, you've got to give the client what they want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not what we would like to do or what we would like to have, but we always are accommodating to that. Like I tell all my clients, like, look, if you see something that you want or you see something that I'm not doing or that I am doing that you don't like or that you need, please tell me. You're never going to hurt my feelings. You know, but I know a lot of creatives that if you were to say, hey, you know, can you make sure we'd get more of this? Or, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, can you not do this? They would be really, really pissed. And that's just not, I don't know, that's not how I operate because I'm there to do a job for them. And I want them to get, I mean, they're paying me good money to be there. They're paying us good money to be there. And to me, it's important that that money they're spending they feel as well spent and that they continue to call us not someone else um so yeah and it's really simple to in that situation 
for me to give Dudley the camera, him show me, and then I go okay, and execute that. And now both me and Dudley know that we have the shot that he wants or wanted. And then you can start working around that. And then once you have all of the shots that you're like, okay, for sure I know that these are our staple shots, now you can go start doing all of the things that maybe in your head are creative and that well, maybe can, the client doesn't necessarily know that they want or maybe they don't want, but you want it for you, well, you or can build whatever it may you be. You can build off of that. Yeah, go do all your detail shots, your creative shots, or the shots that are like, you know, it's probably not going to be the shot that somebody shows on their Instagram, but it's a cool shot for that for that animal, or it's just a creative shot, or something new, or something different, or something emotional, or something abstract, or you know, you want to try this new technique, or you want to try this new lens, or set this up, or set that up. Once you know that you've got what you really need nailed, now you have the freedom to do that, yeah. and and then you go down rabbit holes and take 790 pictures of one animal. I got some cool shots. You did. I got some cool shots. You did. Um, but let's be honest. You're out there a little longer than you should have been. Let's I, be don't, I don't think so. What else did we have to do? <laughs> well, this is what true. What else was there to do? Sit inside and look at each other? So I think we already said that we we're on our way to Idaho Falls to do a Rambo shoot. So yes. uh, I think I got a question the other day about how we travel, um, how we fly. So Ryer flew here. Yes. So I'm going to let him go through his... And it's new and improved, so this is perfect. perfect. I'm very excited about it. Um, he'll, I'll let him go through his uh, his new fangled flying technique, and then I'll go through. Well, flying has been the same since it was invented. Uh, okay, and then I'm going to go through how I pack for driving because I am now 2,227 miles into this trip from Georgia, and now we're in Wyoming, and then we're going to go through what all we have on our person at this moment. Right so, now? Yeah, pretty much the whole office minus clay. So, um, but that's the advantage of driving. Uh, it's really, really, do we have more than we should have brought? Absolutely. Are we missing things like an entire iMac? Yes. Yes. We're going to talk about that in a minute too, about editing on a laptop. We'll let you do that. But so first of all, first things first, the most important is Midwest. We just entered the town of Midwest. Did we? Midwest, Wyoming. So the most important thing about travel. So we got the question about. Read my mind. So what else? My go-to snack for those of you that do not look at the video when I'm driving sunflower seeds. Right now I have the Bigs um, dill pickle, and the only reason I have the Bigs dill pickle is because they didn't have Giants or Lance the regular Mm. because those are my favorite. Mm. Um, I brought four bags of the big giant ones like this. They're all gone. Um, already ate all of them. Actually, I take that back. I ate three of them. Dudley stomped my fourth bag because he didn't like me eating them in this blind just to mess with <laughs> he me. Stomped them. I, I, that's the only thing I can think because I opened them up and they were literally in pieces. And I said, "Did you stomp my sunflower seeds?" And he just smiled at me. So yes, uh, yes, unequivocally, that was a yes. Yeah. So that's my travel. Um, I re- usually really bad about. Uh, I mean, I'll drink Cokes and stuff when I'm when I'm traveling, but I've tried my best recently to start drinking like a Gatorade Zero, something that's because all you're doing is sitting. You know, I've driven like I said, 2,227 miles, and uh, just sitting on my fat butt drinking sugar going down the road. I've tried to do better about that. I'm not saying I've done better, but I'm trying. Um, Ryer is now drinking a water, Which but what's your what's your me. go what's your go to snack? On the road, 
So my go-to snack is usually either a coffee or a Monster or a Bang Energy or a Rain. Um, really pretty equal opportunity. White Monster, I like the Blue Raz Bang, and I like the Peach Fizz in the Orange Dreamsicle Rains. Uh, if you guys God, haven't you got really specific. Okay. If you guys haven't tried all five of those flavors, please do report back. What You'll did you them. say? What was the one? What was the rain one called? Uh, there's Peach Fizz, and there's Orange Dreamsicle. Both are excellent. Orange uh, their, their Blue Raspberry is really good too, and also the Orange Monster. Well, you bad. got you had a Jones soda just a minute ago. Yeah. So the thing that I and I had a Jones soda. Mine's in the back. I'm I'm trying. So the last, I guess, road trip I was on, I got an energy drink at every gas station, which ended up being three or four in a day. And uh, I feel like that's unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the kind of unhealthy that I think that I'm okay with. I, I have a certain level of unhealthy that is kind of like a, I want to live my life, so I will tolerate being that unhealthy. Um, but I thought that coffee and then three to four energy drinks in a day probably isn't good for my heart or my yeah, health. Yeah, we need you to be around a little while, Ryer. Yeah, uh, so I've decided that I'm I'm going to try to cut it back to just one energy drink a day. And coffee? And Well, yeah, and coffee. Coffee's not bad. I think you just need to do coffee, dude. Well, so I had some coffee this morning. Now I have the water, and then later on... You need to have some coffee. How many cups of coffee have you had today? Well, I had two before we left the lodge. Um, I had... One at the gas station. At the gas station, which is really one and a half because it was a medium. And then you got a Starbucks. And then I got a Starbucks. So seven. S- yeah. <laughs> That's the, and, and an energy drink. Later. Jesus Christ, but man! I haven't had an energy drink every day, so I'm really trying to cut back on the energy drinks. But I do like them and I do enjoy them, so I'm going to drink them. I'm just cutting back on the numbers. Well, people also enjoy cocaine, and it's not good for them. They do. Um, but so, so usually, usually I'll have a coffee. I do like energy drinks, and then um, I don't know. With the snack, it's kind of just what speaks to me. <laughs> sometimes it's sometimes that's a little. Well, what is it this time? It's uh, this time it was some Haribo gummy bears. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Haribo, Haribo, just th- I mean, just classic. Those are excellent. These are just a classic, a road trip staple, really a snack staple. Um, but, but sometimes it's a little Debbie, which is also a staple. Staying awake, man. If you get tired on a trip, nothing better than sunflower seeds. Or an energy drink. Or, no. Coffee. Sunflower seeds are better. Gives you something for your brain to do. But uh, turns out not everybody can juice sunflower seeds. It's unbelievable to me. <laughs> but some people can't. sunflower seeds? Greg. He's really? never chewed sunflower seeds. Really? No. I tried to him? teach him. He just... Couldn't? No. He just is like, dude, I, don't, I just don't get it. You start him off with the just one in the well, hand. Well, I think he just it. tried to bite him way too hard instead of just crack it. Well, you got to get the shell just in the right position. And, and you got it's got to sit and soak just a minute. He just, he was more uninterested Uh-oh. than anything. Yeah. And he didn't like how they tasted. But you can tell he's Greg never played baseball. Yeah. You have to. I, mean, I was about ever to say, baseball, if you've ever played baseball, you definitely choose C's. That and Big League Chew. Um, so should I go over my? Yeah, go over your flying setup. So, new, the new way you're doing it. Give me. Can I have some of these? Yeah. Sorry. I would take some of your seeds, but I hate dill pickle. I'm a salt. I'm a salt guy. Just straight salt. I like me David. Too. Me too. I like David's. That was terrible. I shouldn't have done that. I'm now. I want all of them. <laughs> I immediately regret this decision. So, for the past year, because I fly everywhere, Caleb gets to drive everywhere. I generally I don't fly. get to drive everywhere. You I try my. To. I try my yeah. best to drive. And I don't know. Maybe next year I will do that. 
but I I I kind of like airports because I'm a plane nerd. Well, so I like I just like airplanes. Um, so I don't mind as much. It still is a giant pain in the butt to get. Well, we all fly of, out of Atlanta, so that needs yeah. to be a. We fly out of the worst airport of airports. Um, and uh, so. I've been wanting to streamline my process because last year I tried maybe five different setups to try to get all of my gear everywhere. Uh, some of them included packing down the entire camera into its most basic components and into a cine bag and then having one large pelican and one medium pelican with stuff and a, and a carry-on backpack. Um, Another one consisted of slinging the entire camera all put together over my shoulder in the airport with a carry-on backpack with the DSLR and my laptop, and then, like I said, the same two Pelicans. This year, um, I decided to go a little bit of a different route. So I've got the one large Pelican, and uh, we got a second large Pelican. Do you know what the, you know what the size of those are? Do you remember? I don't. Yeah, no, I don't either. I'm really bad with that. I am too. Um, honestly, when whenever we get... They're the Pelican Storm. We, they're the really big Pelican Storm cases. Yeah. They're rectangular. They're... They're pretty tall. I don't know. They're like... 18, 20 inches deep, and then 36, 40 inches wide, something like that. I mean, they're pretty big. Yeah, so we got one of those and got takeout foam, and my goal was to get as much of my camera kit into that singular case as possible. Uh, without having to take the FS7 apart too much. So I was able to accomplish that uh, just by plucking out the foam. It took me a little bit of time because I had to really figure out how I wanted to do it. But I was able to get the camera in there. The only thing I have to take off the camera, the FS7, is the arm. And then um, I have to fold down the viewfinder screen. And then I have to take off the microphone or the microphone receiver, the lav mic receiver. Um and then I have a spot in there that I've cut out for my for a bag, one of those clear clear bags. They're think tank bags. Think tank bags. I have two of them. One of them has all my miscellaneous um, big camera gear stuff. So Allen wrenches, extra uh, lens covers, uh, little cleaning cloths, anything associated with the big camera. Uh, some batteries, random lights, my little aperture light, things like that go in one of those bags. And then in the other one, I have my whole microphone kit. So that's the, I run the Sony, uh, Sony lav mics, and it's the dual channel. So I have one receiver, I have two lav mics, I've got extra cables, extra um, little pop reducers. They're not dead cats, but the little pop filters like yeah. what we have on here. Um, batteries battery chargers uh the cable the xlrs for the camera xlrs or the um mini plugs for the dslr anything associated with that's in another bag and i have a space cut out for both of those and then i was able to find another space where i could put the entire drone in its little leather case that it comes in pleather it's not real leather and then i was able to get all of my gopro stuff into another little kind of semi hard case and it fits in that same spot. And then I can also put a light, a few batteries, any other miscellaneous things like uh, suction mounts for the GoPro and whatnot in there. And basically, the only part of my kit that I can't fit in there is the DSLR. 
and a tree arm and a tripod and maybe some random things that I just may need for that particular shoot. Um, and so once that's all packed, it's about 51 pounds, which really is not bad at all. Uh, you could probably get it down to 50, and then you'd be under weight requirements for most airlines. I mean, you'd take out one thing out of there. You one um, battery and put it in your backpack. Yeah, and... Which you're supposed to take your batteries out anyway. But. It'll fit all of my batteries for the cameras, but I do take them out, and I'll talk about where I put them in a minute. Because um, you cannot... You can't check a lithium-ion lithium battery. Although, I put the drone batteries in with the drone. They never get and caught. They don't get caught. They're so small, they don't ever get caught. Um, but the big but the big camera batteries do. Especially with Reba. They don't like Reba's batteries at all. Yeah, well, those are big suckers. Yeah. So, I have that one. And then my other case, which is of comparable size, that one is for everything else. So, that's where I'm going to put my tripod legs, my tripod head. Um, if I have to have a tree arm, it goes in there. My reflector... Um, boots, clothes, boots, hunting clothes, my toiletries, any other packable gear that I may need goes in there. Uh, tree stand stuff doesn't matter. All my other hunting gear. But I, in, but inside that case, how is that organized? You have your little cube things. Yeah. So inside that case, usually what I do is I take I got to take the head off of the tripod legs, and that's usually the first thing I put in there is those, and then the next thing would be the. Um, camera arm. The camera arm. And then I I have a bunch of these little packing cubes, and it really doesn't matter what they are because you can get them from Walmart or REI. REI has the ones that actually compress. So you put all your stuff in them, zip it up one time, and then they have a compression zipper. And then I have some that are just from Walmart that don't have any compression. They're just more for organization. And so they come in a lot of different sizes, and how you organize it is up to you. But I just kind of try to group my clothing together. So T-shirts go in one. I'll put pants in another. Usually I have, like, my uh, all of my gloves and hats and cold-weather accessories in kind of a small one. Socks and underwear usually get their own. Um, then all of my – I'll have, like, a cold-weather kit that will have my heavier Sitka gear. Then I'll have my lighter Sitka gear in another one. And uh, I usually carry the puffy this time of year, and that just kind of shoves wherever I need it to go. But basically, it lets me just have everything in their own little compartment, which makes it super easy to pack, first of all. And then it's really nice when I need to go grab something. I don't have to tear everything apart. I can just go into whatever packing cube it is and grab it out of there. It helps me keep organized. Um, as far as when I'm traveling. I mean, as soon as you get to camp, everything just blows up. Oh, my gosh. Like the backseat of this truck right now. So that, when I flew here, or flew to Virginia, rather, that one weighed 87 pounds. That (laughs) one was heavy uh, because it's very dense. I had to sit on the top to get it to close, and I was only able to bring my hunting boots and Crocs as far as shoes go. Um, So I don't know what I'm going to do if I have to bring muck boots or anything like that. So we'll figure that out. But... I think besides the dedicated camera case that I now have, the next thing I'm going to talk about is probably my favorite part of this system. Oh, I forgot about your new little... And that is my new backpack. It's you can probably pull it and show them, can't you? Can uh, you get to it? I'm gonna, I'd have to drag it all across everything. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll post a picture of it. I'm still waiting to do a full review because I have not actually walked and hiked around with it yet, but... 
I was looking online, and I have, as I'm sure Caleb has and most of you guys have, been I've been on the hunt for a backpack that was the perfect melding of a hunting pack, a backpacking pack, and a camera slash media pack. And the closest that I had gotten was Badlands made a camera backpack for a little bit of time. Um, and I ran that for a few years. And yeah, I, Caleb just put a thumbs down. Um, it was okay. It's, it's heavy. And then you had to store all the camera gear up at the top, which ended up making it kind of Wonky. lopsided. Yeah. And mine, for whatever reason, I've had a couple of Badlands packs, and they tend to rip on the same spot for me, like right at the where the hip belt connects to the backpack. I've never seen somebody cinch down the hip belt like you do. Really? Not as vigorously as you oh, cinch one down. I like to really get... You really do. I like to make sure that all that weight's right there. You so really do. That could be user error, <laughs> so I'm not sure about that. But it's happened to me twice. And also, I think that I used to... I used to put the whole tripod on the back, and I think that that tripod head pulling back on the backpack might have stressed that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I ran that for a little bit, and then last year I was running just kind of uh, some Sitka bags, and um, those are great. I mean, Sitka bags are solid bags. The problem is when it comes to camera gear, it's there's not there's not for it. it's not set up for it. I mean, you have to just kind of throw the camera gear in there. And usually they're top-loading bags, um, and camera gear I always set near the bottom or close to the bottom. And so in order to access it, you have to go through all the stuff you have on top of it, which if you're elk hunting or anything else could be a lot of things. So it prevented me from taking a lot of in-the-field pictures because I did not want to have to, or I didn't have time or didn't want to make the noise of going through all of my stuff to get to the camera gear. So... I was doing a little research, and I really couldn't find any hunting companies that had a pack that I liked. And I knew that uh, there's a couple companies out there that make camera packs specifically for, for people who work in the industry, and that is Cinebags and F-Stop. Now, Cinebags, I, I have one of those, and they didn't ride nice. And yeah, that's, uh, that's the one I had. It, it just wasn't good for... Just didn't have any ergonomics whatsoever. Yeah, you couldn't walk around with it. I mean, it was okay, but you're not going to go on a day pack hike with it. Um, and so I was kind of looking at reviews, and I came across the F-Stop Talopa, or Talapa. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but it's the F-Stop Talopa. And I was looking for something that was rugged. I wanted something that I could take on a um, day hunt for elk or maybe even a couple of days. I wanted something that I could put the camera gear in. And I also wanted something that could serve as my carry-on when I flew. And this was kind of the perfect size. I don't know how many liters it is. I'm kind of bad with numbers and stuff like that. But I would say it's uh, hmm, I don't know the liters either. It's probably around to like a 22,000, 2,700 cubic inch. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And so it's the F-Stop Talopa. It's the green color. They have black and they have orange. Um, I chose the green because it's kind of the middle ground. It'll blend in best. Not that you really need it to blend in a ton because it's on your back, but that's something to consider. Uh, and basically how the F-Stop bags work is they have a bag, and then you buy separately uh, something called an ICU, which is an internal camera unit. And they have a bunch of different sizes and layouts. And what those are is whole separate padded compartments with all those little foam... Uh, separators with the Velcro. 
And so you buy one, it has a bunch of those, and they're meant to hold different setups, different size setups, and they're meant to be able to take in and out of the bag, and uh, they're super, I guess, modular. And so my, my plan was to get one of those and fit it to the DSLR kit, which is a Canon 60, um, the 24 to 105, a 70 to 200, and a 16 to 35, along with a miscellaneous, one of those little bags with batteries and a charger, um, the little Sennheiser microphone, maybe some filters, uh, just your standard DSLR kit. And so that ended up being a medium ICU, and I was able to kind of, I'll take a picture of it, but I was able to do it so all of those things laid out in it. And so the way that the bag works is you lay that in there, and it's a, it's a rear opening bag, so you can open it from the rear, you lay that in there, there's a couple of straps that kind of attach it, and then it closes independently and zips. Uh, you leave it unzipped for ease of access, uh, and then you can close the back of the bag, and you still have a bucket top that you can shove things in. And so the reason I like that is for ease of access, and it kind of keeps the camera gear separate from all of your other hunting gear, which allows me to put whatever I want up top and not have to worry about having to dig through that to get to the camera gear. Anytime I want to get to the camera, I just open the back, grab the camera, and I'm ready to go. Um, and the way I have that one laid out is I've got the camera at the bottom, and then there's a hydration bladder sleeve that doubles as a laptop sleeve. So when I go on the plane, I have my laptop in that sleeve along with the charging cord. And then I found it's actually a fanny pack. Yeah. It, it was like a one of the Ozark fanny packs at Walmart. I was looking around for kind of a bag I could put hard drives and cords in. And it turns out I just went and saw this fanny pack. And I went and I cut off the fanny pack straps. And it's a, just a nice little bag that I can fit three of those lacy four terabyte rugged hard drives in along with my card readers a random assortment of USB cords and accessories and things of that nature. And so once I put the laptop in, I, I'm able to put that in through the top on the, through the bucket opening or whatever it is. And then uh, the rest of the bag I just have filled up with random stuff. I think I had like two hats because I like to bring some extra hats on trips. Uh, I actually shoved my puffy in there. And I had, you know, passport, wallet, tra uh, phone charging cords. I, ha I have a little, uh, I don't know. It's basically a headphone case and because I, I have some noise-canceling headphones for the plane. And so I have a headphone case that has my noise-canceling headphones, my charging cord for my phone, regular headphones for my phone, uh, a little charger brick, and a... A, a battery pack and I have all that in its own thing that I just clip to the outside of the backpack so when I get on the plane I can just throw my backpack in the overhead bin take that little that little headphone case put that in my seat and it's got everything I could want for the plane ride um, and oh the other thing that's nice about the ICUs is on some of the smaller planes a regular size carry-on bag is going to be too large like the regional jets uh i've had problems with the carry-ons where they want you to put it underneath the plane and i will fight somebody to not put it underneath the plane because as soon as you as soon as you put a bag underneath the plane they will throw it around 
Um, and if you've got a laptop and cameras in there, that's not something you want to happen. And the nice thing about the ICU is it's removable. So if you are in a situation where the flight attendant or somebody is not going to let you try to shove that in an overhead compartment or hold it in your lap or something, you can actually take that ICU out uh, with all your camera gear, give them the bag with whatever other random clothing and stuff you have in there that's not fragile or expensive, and then um, slide that under your seat and you should be good to go. Yeah, because um, don't ever trust TSA. No. Or baggage handlers. Yeah. Um, and so far, it's worked really well. I, I, I really liked that setup. So you don't um, ha- all you have is a backpack. You don't carry a carry-on anymore? No, my backpack is the carry-on. Okay. Yep. Um, backpack is the carry-on. And the other reason I got that is because last year I would have a backpack with the DSLR and my laptop and that whole kit. And then I would also have to pack a hunting pack inside of my Pelicans. Yeah. Um, which felt like it was redundant. And so hopefully with this, and we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I kind of am interested to see how well it does for you too. Hopefully with this, I am able to have one bag that does it all, and I can hunt with it and carry it onto the plane. And so far from the reviews and just kind of walking around with it, I'm fairly confident. It rides good and everything? It rides good. I mean, I, I this was the bag I took up the tree stand with me every yeah. day. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I had the tree arm in there i had the whole dslr kit i mean it was a heavy freaking sucker oh i bet to climb up a tree with which what's the warranty and stuff on those does it have one it's like a 20 20 year warranty oh wow i mean it's really good the but bag, they're expensive. The ba- the expensive bag was bag. not cheap uh the bag in the icu was definitely not cheap but they have a really good warranty the bag is super durable as far as i'm aware i've heard nothing waterproof but good reviews well, I mean, if you dumped it in a river. Well, I'm thinking, like, if you're if But if you're raining. in a rainstorm, you should be good. I'm still going to get a rain, rain cover, cover. yeah. Just for redundancy, but... Well, pack it, covers yeah. are nice to have anyway, just for your camera. Right. It's the best way to cover your camera is a pack cover. Yep, and it's really durable, and it's made... It's, it's made for people who carry cameras yeah. into the wilderness. And they make them that'll go all the way up to cinema-sized cameras, and they yep. make them small enough for... Just DSLR kits, which is pretty much what yours is. Well, mine is in the middle. Yours is in the middle? Mine is in the middle. Mine is the biggest size that you could get into an overhead compartment, Well, if which I, is what I wanted. If you, like, I want to let you go through this elk season with it, and if you really, really like it, then I might end up getting one too. And I might sell that cine bag. And there's nothing wrong with that cine bag. It's just not – if you're just wanting something to keep your camera safe and tote it around and keep it in your back seat, that cine bag will be perfect. But if you're planning on – moving and grooving with it send a bag is not the way to go well i even had to carry it through the airport for a trip yeah and it it was hurting my it was hurting my back when i was just standing in the security lines yeah um just not made to be worn with lots of weight in it yeah and the hip belt doesn't really do much it has yeah. a hip belt and doesn't do anything yeah it's more for so just a just there instead of actually having function yep so we'll see how it does i'm excited uh i love all of the just the little details that they put into it that make life really easy for transporting camera gear around yeah well so that's ryer's kind of setup are you missing anything or is that pretty much you you've got that's your whole flying setup i think yeah i mean obviously that i get there's a bunch of random compartments in there yeah uh that i shove things in and i'm sure i didn't mention every single part of my kit yeah. but i think that's that's the general but idea. that's that's about as tight as we can pack down it's two two pelicans for and we check both of those and then one carry on that's about as streamlined as you can make it um and that's kind of and that's kind of the goal is to be streamlined you know 
And the overweight charges, you know, we use our media credentials and every airline but Frontier will rate waive that that I found. Frontier doesn't help you at all. Um, they are just not the passenger friendly that has any kind of uh, any kind of luggage. They want you to fly with nothing, just you on the plane, which I don't know anyone that flies that way. But anyway, um, so I'm driving and obviously I can bring a lot more stuff when I'm driving. So I guess the way, I guess really the only, there's a couple little, I guess, gear tips that I would give you for driving when you drive this far is uh, if you're hauling bikes, invest in a really good bike rack. Um, I was given a bike rack by Rambo and it was their first iteration and I just don't think they thought it through very well and it didn't even last one trip and it broke um and i just i don't know i don't i just don't and they've completely redone it since then i think that's why it's because it just it just wasn't cutting the mustard for how much weight those things were having so and for the type of terrain you were taking them down yeah so they were meant to go down the road and we're not going down the road i mean we're going down the road a lot with them but we're also going down uh you know public land mountain roads with you know, terrible potholes and, you know, this, that, and the other. But so I did some research and asked a couple friends of mine that are into cycling and motorcycles and stuff. And like, right, what, what's your, what's the, what's the best bike rack out there? And they're like, there's only one rack and that's the one up rack. And it's like the number one up USA.com. Uh, he's like, if that, if you want a bike rack, that is the bike rack to have, that's it. And so I look them up and my God, they are expensive. <laughs> um, but with that being said, I think I've had this one for at least two years. This is its second cross-country trip, not to mention several, you know, 10, 12-hour trips. And it carries two e-bikes that are, as you can ask Ryer, are really heavy. They're 60, heavy. 60 70 pounds apiece. Um especially with saddlebags and racks and crap like that on them. So they're, they're not light. So it's things carrying 120 to 150 pounds. And we are now, like I said at the beginning of the process, we're now 2,261 miles in. And we've been toting that much weight on the end of, you know, in a two-inch receiver the whole time. They're super cool how they attach to the truck. They're, you can't steal them. Um, so that's nice. You don't have to worry about that. And then uh, that's that's my number one. If you're going to carry bikes, or they actually make cargo racks too, which we have the new uh, uh, Pack Mule cargo rack or the hitch haul that I haven't got to try yet uh, because I had to bring the bikes on this trip. Those will go on my next trip, though. Um, I'm really excited about it because I've heard really good things about it. They sent us one to try out and to, to, to uh, do some content with them. So um, we're going to be doing that in the near future, probably, you know, going into November with whitetails because I think they'll work really well for that. But anyway, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, the other piece of equipment, which we've talked about many, many times, but looking in my rearview mirror right now, that it couldn't be more valuable as the Diamondback. Um, right now on the Diamondback cover, we have two Yeti coolers that have drinks and groceries. And then I have my FS7 Pelican case strapped in the middle of those so completely com completely full of gear strapped down with the straps to the cleats if you buy if you buy one of the covers you absolutely need the cleats and don't get the 
270 model or the whatever it's called, the SD model, get the HD that carries the 1,600 pounds, you think to yourself, I'll never need to carry 1,600 pounds. You might. You know, a situation like this, if I kill an elk in New Mexico and I have the rack and I have the meat and I have all that stuff, I'm going to need every bit of that weight um, in order to get it back home. Plus, underneath that bed cover are pelican cases, tripods, sliders, you know, all my gear that we've brought. And it it kept me from having to pull a trailer. Um, Literally having that bed cover made it to where I don't have to worry about pulling a trailer behind me. I can stack everything on top. As long as I've got ratchet straps, we're good to go. Um, And I have hauled stuff on the top of that bed cover all over the daggum place, man. And uh, have never, knock on wood, have ever had a minute's trouble out of that thing. And uh, it it's an insurance policy. It locks. It helps us with everything that we do. It's peace of mind. It's an absolute traveling essential if you're carrying expensive stuff that you don't want to grow legs or if you have to carry heavy things on top that doesn't matter if they get wet. Um, we... I'll never own a truck without one. So if, and it's not saying it's because I've worked with them for nine years. It's because there is there's no other option. Now, can you get a bed cat? You know, like a, a camper shell? Yes. You can also look like a 95 year old man if you have that. Um, and then you can carry. Could you carry more stuff in it? Yeah, but if you need to get to it, you have to tear out your whole truck to get something in the front. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know. I just don't think it. I don't think it has as much value as what I have on my truck. And you can actually see out your back glass. So um, those are the two things that, like, I, I think are must-haves. Um, but in terms of, like, how I pack, I always try and bring stuff that I like. And the reason I drive, because you said I drive everywhere, the reason I drive is I like to have my truck because I drive a Toyota Tundra. This is my third one. I absolutely love them. The only thing I wish they did is had better fuel mileage. They have terrible fuel mileage, but they're super, super reliable. I don't have to worry about, you know, this or that happening and going out. Really, the only thing I have to worry about is getting a flat tire. And then um, outside of that, it's like, okay, I, I like to bring tools. I have, a, I have my impact driver. I have all the different um, bits. I have uh, my bit to where I can run. Uh, sockets. I have uh, a, a tool roll in the bed of my truck. In my bed cover, underneath, I have the, the drop-in toolbox. It's underneath the bed cover, which I also would recommend. And in there, I keep a blow-up mattress because I've had a couple of trips where there's no place to sleep, and you end up having to sleep on a couch or on the floor. Well, it's really nice to have that air mattress, and luckily I had it because Ryer came in, had nowhere for him to sleep, blew up an air mattress, and he had a good place to sleep. Worked out perfectly. Pretty comfy. Keep, keep a little uh, a blower in there that blows it up, and then I keep uh, all my tools. I keep a machete. I keep a hatchet. I keep a hammer. I keep a first aid kit. I mean, I'm set up in my truck to where, short of an apocalypse, um, I can pretty much get out of it some way, shape, or form. Um. But when you fly somewhere, you don't have all those things. When you rent a car, you don't have all those things. You're at the mercy of whatever car you've rented and whatever gear that you could fly with. 
And uh, I just I hate feeling unprepared. And anytime I fly, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been on a trip and somebody says, hey, do you have this? And I'm like, in my truck I do. Do you have this? In my truck I do. Do you have this? In my truck I do. I, I can't tell you how many times that happened. And it just got to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm going to drive this trip three different times. We needed stuff. And guess what? I had it in my truck. And it was, I can't remember what it was. There was something major. It, well, it was the it was the blow-up mattress was one. Mm-hmm. And then there was something else that we needed in camp that I had in my truck. It's like something you'd never pack to fly with. Me? Did I need it? I don't remember. Who needed it? I think it was Dudley needed it. Because I don't remember needing anything from the truck. It was Dudley. He's kind of needy. It was one of those things where he needed something and I had it. Anyway, um, but it's one of those things. And I can carry my guns because I like to have my guns. And I can't fly with my guns. So, yeah, we got pulled over in South Dakota. Here's my, if you were watching the video of this, here's my warning in South Dakota today. Uh, he, he asked, what was the question he asked? He's, he's, I thought it was a very interesting question because you would think that the officer would say, do you have any guns in your car? Yeah. Even if it's very obvious that there's guns in this car, but he didn't. He said, Why would you say that? That's profiling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's very apparent. Yeah. Um, he said, where are the guns in your car? Which I don't <laughs> like that question. I don't like that he asked the question that way, but... Why should I have said, why do you think there's guns in this car? You should have. Do you think you saw that American flag and knew there was a lot of America it's happening a, in here? It's a leading question. I don't yeah. like that it's a leading yeah. question. It's it's kind of a dishonest way to go about that. I yeah. understand what he's doing, Yeah. but I don't I don't like it. I don't like leading questions, that's yeah. all. But so. he, he said, where are the guns? And you said... <laughs> ear, ear, ear. I said, I think that's all I have, which I think that... No, there's four in here. <laughs> I, I yeah, thought there I was. only told him three, but yeah, there's four. Um, so yeah, he uh, was asking me where all the guns were, and I was like, "Well, they're right here, right here, right here." And he's like, "All right, just make sure they stay there." I'm like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> and that was it. That's the only, you know. And he gave me a warning, which I was only going ten over. I've like, I've never been pulled over for only ten over. I think what it was because if that was the case, I'd get pulled over once a week. I think that I think it was just that we had all the stuff on. Yeah, he wanted and, to see what we were doing and yeah, out of state license if he could see it. I don't think he can see it. Can he not? I, I mean, think I so. think it's obvious that because I've rolled through some. Area, I've least. rolled through some toll booths that like the picture ones with those bikes on and never got the bill. So, <laughs> fun fact: that's the, the little Dave Chappelle hand in the cookie jar. Whoop! <laughs> got him. So, but that's I mean, I carry. I like to carry ratchet straps because I all—I mean, that's from my dad. Like my dad doesn't go anywhere without at least a four pack of ratchet straps. Have to have ratchet straps. If you've got a truck, you got to have ratchet straps. You've got to have knives. You got to have some tools. You got to have some guns. Have to have those things. What and is then this one here. What do you got? That's Dudley's. <laughs> yeah, dude, that thing will cut. That thing will cut you. That's this. one of his custom knives. Yeah. Um, he left. I don't, why did he leave that in here? Did he mean? To, oh, he had. He couldn't fly with that. That's probably why. <laughs> I wonder why you couldn't fly with this. Why are you in the left lane? Go. We're just oh getting my passed Jesus. by a semi truck. Because this at speed. Idiot. At speed. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm about to rage on this minivan. Oh yeah. Now speed up. Stupid people. 
you. Mm. Oh, now they're going to. Yeah, gonna now they're going to speed up and block. Here you go. I think you got Get it. Get a freaking grip, lady. Jesus. Sorry, guys. I was about to rage on a stupid minivan. <laughs> and from there. Wyoming, it's not even Sunday for a Sunday stroll. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, Nothing that will make it matter. So, all right, here's another little tip. If you have a diamondback cover, because some people ask me, like, well, how do you get stuff all the way in the back? You just climb up in the bed of your truck all the time. Never climb up in the bed of my truck. I've got, like, a five-and-a-half-foot, uh, it's actually a lacrosse stick, and I just mounted a little hook on the end of it. I just reach up in there on my stick, pull it to me. takes up no room, and I don't ever have to climb in the back of my truck. It's perfect. And I can take that stick and push things, organize it exactly how I want to organize. Easy. Um, Chuck. Chuck's is a little bit different. He has an actual garden hoe. <laughs> That's what he uses. <laughs> Does he really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I forgot we had to use his hoe for something on a trip, like digging <laughs> in a spot. And I left it. And he got mad at me. And he's like, he's like, I ain't got my hoe in the back of my truck. I got to climb all the way in the back of my truck to get my stuff because Caleb didn't go get my hoe back. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, dude. I literally Amazon primed him a new hoe. It showed up at his house. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was tired of him fussing at me about it. Couple hey, of, look, Ryer. A couple of old boys out bike touring. Yeah. That looks like hell. Yeah, it looks like it sucks. I wouldn't do that. Nah, it's a lie. I wouldn't. <laughs> We're 52. There's snow on the ground here, boys and girls. It's nice. We're outside, not outside Gillette now. We're outside Casper, Wyoming now. A little regional airport right here. Yeah. Some kind. Not like there's anything flying. Now we're getting in some haze now, some overcast. Mm-hmm. I would take my sunglasses off if I didn't have this uh, headset on because it's nice and flat light now. But uh, Order of operations. But the uh, there was something else. Oh, the reason, because we've ran into some some guys in the industry that don't like Pelican cases just because they're heavy and bulky, and they are heavy and bulky. But they take all their gear around in. Like F-stop cases and, and soft bags for everything else. And I'm like, okay, because they're more packable. but And they are more packable. But my thing is, the reason we use Pelicans is the exact reason I got them right now is I ran out of room in the bed of my truck. Guess what we did with the Pelican? Strapped it on top. You never run out of room when you've got ratchet straps and a, and a Diamondback. You can strap strap those suckers double, triple on top of each other and carry everything if you wanted to. Um, it just makes it so easy. And I don't know that those pelicans are they heavier and bulkier? Yeah, uh, are they not a little more much though? Not well. I guess if you're counting pounds and, and you know ounces on some of this stuff, maybe. But and they they stack really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you can organize, sit on them. You can organize them. You can sit on them. You can use them as seats for you know interviews. I mean, man, we've used and abused ours. And the beautiful thing about Pelicans is they're very, very readily available used. You can find them just about anywhere on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, uh, like military surplus. Like we bought five six. or six from a military surplus, and I think I paid $200 for like six cases. And the, I mean, big cases, not even little ones. So um, you can't beat that. You can't get six good heart, uh, suitcases for that, even soft cases. You know uh, what else I like about them? What? You can cover them in stickers. You can cover them. You can cover, cover them, them in stickers. In, you can cover them in stickers. Yeah, there's no denying our cases when they come out of the shoots at the airport. It's like, yeah, want all the stickers. That one's mine. Look, if you've got a straight black Pelican case with no stickers, we you're can't not be, doing it right. Yeah, we can't be friends. 
Well, you need that thing covered in stickers. But, How uh, are people going to know what you're about, where yeah. you've been, if you don't have any stickers? True story. So what we've got to look forward to, um, uh, we're on, I think I talked about it, but we're just to recap, we're on our way to Idaho. We've got a shoot with Rambo Bikes. They've got a new bike coming out. So we're going to be doing a one-minute uh, tease commercial video for social media. It'll probably air there, YouTube. It'll probably go to TV. It'll probably do a lot of different things, which we probably need to do pre-production for that. We haven't talked about any of the shots that we want to get. And since you're the cycling guy, I was going to let you run lead on that. Um, I've got a vision. Okay, good. Cool bike shots. Cool. All right, well, good. I'm glad you do. So, um, anyway, so we've got to do that. And then I leave, me and Ryder leave there on Saturday. I'm going to drive Ryder down to Salt Lake City. He's going to get picked up on Sunday. You know, stay in a hotel. One actually, we'll probably all get in a hotel room. Me, you, and Clay when he flies in Saturday night, and then we're gonna throw a party. No, probably not. We'll all probably right. go to dinner or something, but we're not gonna throw. A party. <gasps> I think you need the. I think you need the movie theaters are open. I wish. I was just thinking about that when I thought because originally, I wasn't. I didn't know that I was coming to camp with y'all until literally the day before. So I thought I was gonna be stuck in Sundance for a couple of days. And I think Sundance is, is too small to have a movie theater. But I was thinking, man, it would be nice just to go watch a movie. Yeah. Because I, I like the movie theaters before they're Dude. closed, and now they've been closed, and I just want to go to the movie theater and watch a movie in the movie theater. Well, the problem with Salt Lake is when I was here a couple weeks ago, they're still requiring masks and all that crap now. So I guarantee you the movie theaters aren't open yet. And if they are, they're probably making you social distance and all that BS. Bowling alleys are open. Bowling alleys are? Yeah. Well, we'll see when we get there. I was just saying that because you would think if bowling alleys are open, a movie well, theater Well, they'll pack be. you in like sardines on an airplane. I mean, what's the freaking difference? doesn't make any – you're breathing recirculated air on an airplane. But I digress. Um, so, I dropped Ryder off in Utah for the first of two elk hunts. So, you'll be there with Greg with Huntmasters, and then you'll be there the following week with Brock. I will Brock's his elk? I thought his was Mildew. No, it's elk now, I think. Sweet. I think he got both. Nice. Um, and you might flip flop with me. You might go with uh, me and Dud too. So I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, don't be trying to break up. It changes. What me and Brock have going on. It changes daily. <sighs> anyway, and then me and Brock are gonna kill now. I go to New Mexico for my hunt for for elk, and um, super excited about that. I really need to shoot my bow. Really hope they have a target there to shoot. Did not have a single time to shoot when I was here with Dudley. Where even is your bow? Underneath the, it's in the bed cover. Oh. Underneath everything. Um, and uh, after New Mexico, I drive back up to Salt Lake, and uh, I do a hunt there. Me and Ryan will be there for a week, and then Clay will be with me in New Mexico, and then we go. Where do we go next? I go home. You go home, and then Don't you go you to Virginia. To- yeah. And then Dudley and I go back to Montana, and then I come home. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, man. Whew. I'm already nine days in, and I'm tired. Which Luckily, we got to sleep in an extra hour this morning, which helped. But um, I don't like to think. I try to take each. I try to take the trip. One trip at a time? Well, I take it one trip at a time, and even further than that, I try to take it a day at a time. Because I, it, it does get to be overwhelming when you think about 
Well, this is your second. This is your second fall. Last year, you had no idea what to expect. Yeah. And I told you it was going to be a grind. And was I right or was I wrong? You're right. And this year is probably going to be even more of a grind. Yeah. So, if that's even possible. So Clay's Clay's actually going to have a decent schedule. Like he's going to have a, like a week on week off, week on week off, which is good because there's editing that's got to be done in the middle. And if you and I aren't in the office, we can't. Which is which we need to still talk about editing on your laptop. Don't do it. But um, anyway, avoid at all costs. So I've got th- three solid weeks. Yeah, at least three solid weeks of elk hunts coming up. Ryer's got two solid weeks of elk hunts coming up. We've got a Rambo shoot mixed in the middle of that. And then it is whitetails, whitetails, whitetails after that. You get to do a lot of whitetail hunting. And you just, Wyoming was your first, like, really jaunt at really hunting whitetails out of a tree stand. And yeah. your, your thoughts on tree stand versus ground blind? Uh, I'll give you my thoughts after you give me yours. Well, that's hard because both of them I don't like for different reasons. <laughs> I I'm not a, I don't like sitting still for a long time. Um so both of those are not ideal for that. Uh ground blinds, I do not enjoy filming out of ground blinds because yeah. one you're always shoved up in a corner and two there's only so many shots you can get out of a ground blind. Yeah. Um especially if the ground blind is like a kill hole and it's like you have one lane and that's all you get where basically you get three B-roll shots. And then if a deer walks in, then finally you can roll and get something interesting. Um, what I like about ground blinds is I don't have to climb up a tree. I don't have to tote a camera arm. I don't have to set up a camera arm. Uh, they're warmer in the they winter. They are warmer. Uh, the chair is You can get away with murder in a ground blind. Usually nicer. Yeah. I mean, I say that, but I've had some really <laughs> sketch chairs. I had some junk chairs this week, buddy. <laughs> I had a chair last year. That I was sit- I had sat in the chair for two hours. I didn't even think that I moved. <laughs> I'm sitting in the. It's like a lawn chair, right? I'm sitting in this chair, just hanging out. And I don't. I guess I shifted my weight just perfect enough, and the bottom just fell out from under me. And I go like this, like almost like one of those carnival games, where <laughs> you throw the ball and hit the thing. Yeah. And the guy falls in the splash tank. That's what I felt like. I caught myself on, on the on the arms of the chair. Um. So I like I like ground blinds for that reason. Um, I like tree stands because the view is better in tree stands. There's a lot more things to film, especially leaves, lots of leaves, sometimes squirrels, occasionally a bird, and if you're lucky, some deers. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> this, this week, I mean. Lots you, of leaves. If you want some leaf footage, man, <laughs> I got you. If you are ever like, man, I just need. Those leaf shots, I man. just need some shots, some close shots of some leaves, maybe with some cool light. I've got a smorgasbord for you to choose from. Hit me up. They're, I'll give them to you for free. <laughs> don't even don't even worry about it. I got you, fam. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I don't like about tree stands is climbing up into them with a yeah. giant pack with a camera arm and a camera and then trying to set that up in the dark. First of all, climbing up stands in the dark. Don't really like doing that. Um, <laughs> then setting it up in the dark while trying to be quiet. Really yeah. a big pain in the ass. Yeah. But, sorry. Slipped out there. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a family podcast. I was talking about donkeys. <laughs> really, talking about donkeys. It's a really big pain in the donkey. Um, and... 
the seats, the seat, it's like 50 50. I had, a, I had a stand that was great. Yeah. I mean, the tree, man, it was perfect. Perfect. The Those seat, are rare, buddy. The Those seat are rare. Was like, perfect. The tree was leaned back at such an angle that it would support me if I was sitting up, but you could lean back and put your head on it and just kind of just kind of go to sleep. Yep. Um, there's some that good, one was dude, great. There's and some good ones, and there's some really bad ones. I own what, both. What what I really don't like is sometimes, you, depending on how it's set up, I've had to film on the wrong side of the camera, and that really sucks. <laughs> really sucks to have to try to finagle a camera around in kind of a tight space or have to be on the wrong side of the camera or have to kind of strain to see the viewfinder. Um, I don't like that. But, I mean, as far as the footage goes, I like the footage. I don't mind being up in a tree. I kind of like being up in a tree. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. Is ground, ground blinds are way more comfortable. You, yeah. can, you can get away with murder a ground blind visually. And, you know, the experience is not near as good. You can't see near as much. Uh, but the tree stand, super aggravating. Most of the time it's not near as comfortable. But... And most of the time, your stand and where it is is an afterthought. Yeah. Oh, mo- almost all the time. Yeah. 95% of the time. But the cool, the, the, the good thing about tree stands is once you get in that stand in the dark, you go through the pain in the butt of setting up the camera arm, you get it rock solid, you get your camera on there, and everything's good, and you've spent that seven minutes getting everything right. Once you get sat down and those the animals start moving and the sun starts coming up, there is no cooler, more rock solid way of getting cool stuff than having a camera arm. That's like some of these shows that don't run camera arms. I don't get it, man. Are they aggravating? Hundred percent. Are they heavy? One hundred percent. Are they? Do you want to hurl them out of the tree more times than not? One hundred percent. But it is a piece of gear that supports your camera that makes your footage and the experience so much better mm-hmm. um i don't i i can't it's just like tripod heads and camera sticks and things like that like i can't bring myself to not have those things with me just because i i, I understand how much better the footage is going to be when i have that support that good support um and there's just to me there's just a romance with killing a deer out of a tree stand you know, it's, yeah. it's the, so much more visually appealing. You can do such a better job of storytelling, especially if you've done a good job with your second angles and recreations and all your leaf shots and your uh, your B-roll. and Leaf it to me. Time, <laughs> time of day, sunrise, sunset. There's, It's just everything about it's better to me. But, yeah, it's uh, – but – yeah, I, I would still rather do a tree stand. But that's what I grew up doing. I mean, I've spent more time in a tree stand than I have anything. So that's what, I mean, but if I have the choice to get there a day early and me get to set up the stands, I'm going to do it. That way I know they're right and they're set up how I want them. And um, it makes all the difference in the world if you have somebody set up the, the camera stands like they're supposed to be set up. Uh, and a lot of times I like to, we like to, you know, Find it's one thing to find where the deer are and then move the stand, you know, get a stand in there to kill them versus setting the stand up and then painting the picture and have the deer come to where you want them. Now, that's harder, you know, easier said than done, right? But uh, 
when that's the goal, when the footage is the goal and the, the, the cameraman stand and the cameraman set is how it should be, man, it makes it nice. But talk about editing on a laptop. Now bring us back down to a nice low spot. Man, that's not nice. <laughs> um, I guess with maybe the right laptop, it would be okay. I don't even know if it would be the right laptop. And, and with the right footage. So I think that the problem we were running into, so I don't know all the specs of my computer. Like I, I'm really, guys, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> I know that people ask like really specific questions about specs of gear and stuff like that. I'm just going to be honest with you. Usually I have to go get the piece of gear and look at it <laughs> and answer your question. Or I have to, like, Google it and find it on Amazon <laughs> and yeah. get you the specs. Because I, I know generally what the gear is, but I'm just not really good at remembering a lot of numbers or specs like that. Um, so that's kind of – that was a bunny trail. So if you get specs for me, just know that I put in the work for you. <laughs> and you should be really – you should say thank you. I care. I take the time because I care. <laughs> You're at Copeland Creative. We care. So I don't really know 100% of the specs of my laptop, but it's a, it's a 2013 MacBook Pro. It is an i7 processor. Um, RAM is nothing to write home about. <laughs> I Whatever it is, it's not enough. Um, I don't store anything on the computer hard drive, so hard drive size doesn't matter. Um I mean, it, 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 it was $1,000 on eBay, and I bought it because really what I use it for is dumping footage, editing photos, editing time lapses. Occasionally, I would edit something very small. Um, Pull a clip for somebody. Yeah. Review footage. Yeah. You know, watch Netflix. Basic in-camp stuff. Yeah, basic internet things, whatever. Uh, so it's really not meant to be an editing workstation. Uh, and that being said, it's not. And we found that out. <laughs> I For three, two and a half days. For two and a half days. When I tell you that I spent half a day trying to get this computer <laughs> to, to let me edit footage that I should have been done with in two hours, yeah. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Um, and I don't. What I want to know is if it's because of the footage or because of the computer, or yeah. a mixture of both. So what I was editing was 4K footage shot on a Canon 5D Mark IV. Yeah. Five. Hold on, I have to Four. sneeze real quick. Of course. <laughs> sneeze. Hip, hip, yeah, hip. Yeah, it's gone now. Got him. Freaking jerks. <laughs> Everybody who wished for me not to sneeze yep. in that moment, I hate you. You're welcome. So I think part of the problem was... Off of a DSLR and even off of a mirrorless, the compression that the camera has to put on the footage in order to process it, in order to make it fit on the SD cards, is so heavy that it makes that 4K footage very difficult for the computer to work on because it has to uncompress it in order for you to edit it, and it has to do that in real time. Um, I think that we would have had the same problems if we were filming 4K on, let's say, the the... FS7, but not to this extent. Yeah, because it's uncompressed. Right. Um, this is this is the most compression you can get. Um, GoPro. Well, I think a GoPro 4K God, might be even GoPro more. GoPros are atrocious. Those ones, those ones take a toll on our our workstations. Just at the another, office. just another reason not yeah. to shoot 4K on GoPros. Perfect example. Yeah, I shoot two and a half K. Me too. 
Um, I do that on the drone, too. Yeah. It hates that drone footage. Yeah, it does. And the reason is because of how much it has to compress it. So I think what we should do is take some red clips and see. That's what we should do. We should take We're a f- going to. Yeah. About, yeah. And, and see if those, because those are uncompressed. And so even though the file size might be massive and it's a above 4K shot, um, the computer might be able to handle it because it doesn't have to decompress it in real time as you're playing it. And so this entire couple of days when I've been trying to edit, I've been fighting with the computer. I've tried all sorts of workflows. I tried to create proxies. I've tried to uh, render and replace. I've tried to convert everything. And really, none of them did great. Um, I was finally able to get it to where I could kind of half edit it, but just hasn't been a pleasant experience. <laughs> so To say the least. Uh, it makes me want to go spend more money than I probably need to on a laptop, which the amount of times that I'm going to need to actually edit like that on a laptop hopefully are minimal. Yeah. Um, next time, I think that we're going to shove an iMac in here somehow. Because we'll make if, room. If, if I would have had an iMac, I think that I would have been able to get a lot more done. Yeah. I'm honestly not real. I'm a little disappointed in how much or how little I was able to get done because of the, the computer just not working. And there's just nothing I could do about the computer not editing or not allowing me to edit, which is frustrating when you know that you could have gotten something done in a certain amount of time and you didn't because of software or hardware problems. Um, so I don't know if anybody has tips maybe on how to do this. I think maybe next time, Caleb probably just convert all of that footage to ProRes 422. Yeah, but then you lose your 4K. I know. But if it's 4K 422, theoretically, or 444, shouldn't it Shouldn't it work? Because that's less compressed? It'd be a good test. Yeah, we might have to test that because it would be nice to know that you could do that without the headache. Um... But, yeah, that's kind of the situation we're in. So, y'all take that information and do with it what you want. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. We're an hour and 18 minutes into the podcast, so I think we're going to end it right there. So, uh, follow along. We'll probably do another one of these updates week or so. Try and do one in camp, uh, in one of these camps. Me and Clay will probably do one in New Mexico with uh, Brockalicious. So, uh, that'll be fun. But appreciate well, then it. I'm going to do one with Brock. Okay. Well, that's fine. All right, guys. Peace.